Because we got the alternative energy right. On a nuclear free autonomy And welcome to the Radioactive Show Produced at the studios of 3CR Melbourne And heard nationally on the Community Radio Network Yeah, we don't want uranium in WA All around Australia and anywhere, you know And this is all about to get together and say no to uranium Some companies and utilities are exiting the nuclear industry altogether, while others are, are, are significantly downsizing. And everywhere taxpayers are being left to hold the can, whether it's to prop up ageing reactors or to prop up uh, reactor construction projects that have yet to be completed, and also for waste management. You can go through a long list of countries where billions of dollars of taxpayers' money are being given to the nuclear industry to sort out its problems. Uh, this is a very uh, important process that will make nuclear weapons illegal in the same way that biological weapons, chemical weapons, cost munitions and landmines have been made illegal and we think Australia should be there. Hello and welcome to the Radioactive Show. I'm Michaela and today we'll be hearing from Australian Nuclear Free Alliance co-chair Vicky McCabe at an action calling on the Federal Environment Minister Josh Frydenberg to reject proposals to mine uranium in Western Australia. Friends of the Earth's Nuclear Free campaigner Dr Jim Green will bring us some updates on nuclear industry developments globally and the newly approved deal to sell Australian uranium to the Ukraine. Jem Rommeld from the International Campaign to Abolish Nuclear Weapons will tell us about Australia's withdrawal from the UN negotiations on a nuclear weapon ban. First up, we'll go to some recordings from an action outside Josh Frydenberg's office in Camberwell, Victoria on Thursday 8th of February. You'll hear the voices of Marcus Atkinson from Prince for Peace, nuclear free activist Carrie-Anne Garlic, and many people who came to support traditional owner from the Yaliri area, Vicky McCabe. We're just here because the Western Australian government has the environment minister has given the approvals for three uranium mines in Western Australia, but now it goes to Josh, so he's got to give federal approval for it, but we're asking for that to stop. But we're really lucky to have Vicky down here today. She's just flown in from Western Australia and she's been really active in the campaign over there to, to stop especially the mine around Yaliri. It's very honoured to be here to, um, to do what we want best for no uranium around WA, especially out on my country, Yaliri, and um, with all the support from everyone and Jim and everyone getting me over here and to meet new people and... Yeah, we don't want uranium in WA, all around Australia and anywhere, you know, and this is all about to get together and say no to uranium. Yeah. 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 If I can see you properly. Um, yeah, um, well, I'm the WA co-chairperson for WA and co-chair for ANFA, and... Um, we are under threat by 
by Chemico proposal. Um, I travelled to Melbourne this week to seek support and asked the Federal Environmental Minister Josh Reinberg to deny the approval of Gileri Uranium Project. Um, there is also three other mines um, around country. Um, we got Gileri, Mulgarock, um, Kintyre and Woluna and um, we've been fighting this for 40 years and we're going to still fight for it and you know all us country people back home we love to get on land to hunt, camp still do our um, things like we always do best um, go out you know, take our family but if we um, get this through and um, hopefully all the best what he wants to do to stop it. Um, yeah, so growing up around Yuleri is a very thing for me because all my um, ancestors walked through the country and, um, you know, we camped there and, you know, we still practice our law and culture on around country, you know, and we still do it. And it's going to be really sad if we don't, um, you know, if this goes ahead, but... We're going to stop it. Yeah. 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 Thank you. And this letter is going to be handed. So we don't know where the office is. <laughs> well, I can just see the sign, but um, I hope it gets through to Canberra. Josh will, um, yeah, just say no. Put us through Parliament. Back in WA, um, Mia Pepper works for Conservation Council of WA and Bilbo Taylor and Lucy and everyone that's been involved in the Walkadura Walkabout We Walk. We have been for the last six years um, from Waluna to Leonora down into Perth and around this area where they're proposing to put the mines. We'll walk again this year, um, hopefully in celebration that we actually can stop the mine. There's a few more hurdles to go through, but by doing these actions, it shows solidarity with not only WA, but here at the ACE Collective, but also all around the world. So, yeah, I know the crew back in WA will be really um, thankful for us being here and putting the pressure on Josh Frydenberg. So, yeah, but if you want any more information about the walk that's happening August, September in WA, it's amazing. Vicky's been out for the last six years with us, plus other mob on country to come out and there's a lot of people here that have been on the walk so there's lots of um, people that can talk about their experience from the walks and stuff but it's a really good way to get to know the country the beautiful country that's out there and um, connect with the mob out there and build the build the solidarity Alright, should we see if we can get you in there Vicky?
Hi, my name is Anya and uh, I'm here with the ACE Collective and we're objecting to more mining, in fact any mining really in Western Australia. I guess there are two ways of looking at it. The first is social justice for the indigenous people, it's their land, and the second is environmental justice. Uh, there is no point in digging up uranium at this point historically, it's just crazy. What inspired you to join the action here this morning? Uh, just to show my solidarity to um, with Indigenous mob to fight the nuclear industry trying to mine uranium where there are many uh, alternatives. I'm Katie and yeah, I'm from Frio um, and just happened to be over in Melbourne and wanted to be here in solidarity with the um, groups that are really fighting the um, the uranium mines up in WA and yeah hopefully that Josh will listen because our state government doesn't <laughs> and um, yeah so I really think it's yeah it's his time to step in and do the right thing. <laughs> so what brought you down here to Josh Feidenberg's office? Uh, I'm Jamila, I'm from Melbourne. Um, I came down today to support Vicky, who's a traditional owner fighting for country at Yaliri. Um, I wanted to support her in visiting um, the minister today to stand up for country and to stop this proposal in its tracks. Um, this fight has already been going for 40 years. It's already been proven over and over again that it's not environmentally or culturally sustainable to mine in this country. And, um, yeah, I think it's really time that the Minister took some notice of the calls from traditional owners and, um, yeah, protected country for future generations. That was Vicky McCabe, co-chair of the Australian Nuclear Free Alliance, speaking out against Yaliri proposed uranium mine at the Federal Environment Minister's local office in Camberwell, Victoria, on Thursday, 8th of February. Traditional owners have been fighting this proposal, currently being pushed by Canadian mining giant Cameco for over 40 years. You're listening to The Radioactive Show, produced in the studios of 3CR and broadcast across the country via the Community Radio Network. Wherever you're tuning in, we urge you to support your local community radio station and consider subscribing to The Radioactive Show via our website, 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe. Next up, let's hear from Dr. Jim Green, Friends of the Earth's National Nuclear Free Campaigner. He also writes the World Information Service on Energy's Nuclear Monitor, and today he'll bring us some local and global updates. Since it's early in the year, there's been a lot of assessments of where the nuclear industry is at and how it fared last year. And the broad brush picture is that nuclear power has been stagnant for the past 20 years and it would surprise no one if it continued to stagnate for the next 20 years. If we look in a finer detail at what's going on in uh, last year and this year, it's quite interesting because um, we've all heard so much hype about the nuclear power renaissance and that never materialised in the sense that there was never any spike in the number of reactors. But in the years before Fukushima, there was a spike in the number of reactors under construction, and those reactors are starting to come online. So you could say that we're right in the middle of the nuclear renaissance right now, but it's, uh, 
it's a pretty poor excuse for a renaissance. There, uh, ten reactors came online last year and only four were decommissioned. And we'll probably see a similar pattern to that for the next two or three years. Uh, so that's the nuclear renaissance, but it's, it's negligible compared to the rate of construction and the rate of growth that the industry achieved in the 1980s and 1990s. And the big problem the industry faces is that uh, a large majority of the world's reactors are already middle-aged and are starting to uh, get to the age where they have to be decommissioned. So even if we look at the industry industry's figures, uh, we can calculate that six to ten reactors will be taken offline every year. So the industry will have to bring six to ten online or, or start them up every year just to stand still. Uh, so that's the situation the industry faces over the next 20 years or so. Is that it's going to have to work incredibly hard just to just to stay where it is, and there certainly won't be any significant growth. And it is possible that they could build six to ten reactors every year, uh, but only if China does an awful lot of the heavy lifting, and that's by no means certain. And uh, elsewhere in the world, nuclear power is clearly on the decline. So one of those nuclear corporations, Toshiba, has been in the news a lot recently. Can you tell us a bit about that story? Yeah, it's an incredible story because it's so significant. Toshiba is a, is a nuclear giant. With its, uh, it's involved in the nuclear industries in quite a few countries. It's a Japanese-based multinational, and it's also the parent company of, of Westinghouse and Westinghouse is also involved in the nuclear industry in, in a number of countries. So, uh, and its nuclear uh, division has more or less collapsed. It's got multi-billion dollar debts and write-offs and it has decided to very significantly downsize and to extract itself from any future nuclear construction projects. Uh, so the ripple effects of this are, are absolutely massive. Um, Westinghouse is involved in building new reactors in the US and, and they are in jeopardy. Uh, projects in the UK are in jeopardy. Plans for six new reactors in India are in jeopardy. And so, yeah, it's, uh, it's an incredible story and it's, it's not even isolated. The uh, French government nuclear utilities, which are called Areva, and also EDF or Electricity de France. They're also in massive debt, and uh, the French government is organising a taxpayer-funded bailout for those utilities. And you can really see this pattern all around the world. The industry is in that much financial trouble. It's hard to believe. Um, so it's we're, all of us who are nuclear boffins and nuclear watchers are trying to make sense of this, but to give a sense of the scale of the problem... Uh, I'm just reading something here from a pro-nuclear commentator called Dan Yerman, and this is the sort of language he's using. He says that a sense of panic is emerging globally as Toshiba heads towards a complete exit from the nuclear industry. Uh, he says that these developments make for an unusually grim outlook. It's like a very big rock hitting the pond, uh, and Toshiba's wounds will result in long-lasting challenges to the future of the global nuclear energy industry. So, uh, yeah, so really profound problems for the industry. I guess the best way to characterise it would be that there's some serious downsizing going on. So uh, some companies and utilities are exiting the nuclear industry altogether. 
while others are, are, are significantly downsizing. And everywhere taxpayers are being left to hold the can, whether it's to prop up ageing reactors or to prop up uh, reactor construction projects uh, that have yet to be completed and also for waste management. You go through a long list of countries where billions of dollars of taxpayers' money are being given to the nuclear industry to sort out its problems. Going to news a little bit closer to home, uh, we have the federal government still pushing ahead with trying to establish new markets for sales of Australian uranium. And we've seen recently the Committee on Treaties approve a deal to sell Australian uranium to the Ukraine. Can you tell us about where that's all at? Yes, so this is Jay Scott, the Joint Standing Committee on Treaties, and uh, their approval of uranium sales to Ukraine is highly conditional, uh, mainly because of the conflict between Ukraine and Russia, which has been going on for several years now. So Russia has annexed uh, a part of eastern Ukraine and also a part of southern Ukraine called Crimea uh, is now under Russian control. And elsewhere in Ukraine, there's uh, Russian-inspired insurgents who are who are creating havoc, and it has that conflict has died down over the past couple of years. But recently, it's just flared up again. So there's there's military conflict as we speak in Ukraine, and that raises a whole set of issues. But uh, it raises obvious issues for Australia's proposed exports to Ukraine, which is how on earth do you safeguard? uranium and its various byproducts in a conflict-ridden country and the short answer is that you can't and we know that because of the recent experience in eastern Ukraine and in Crimea where the Ukrainian government openly acknowledges that it has lost regulatory control of nuclear materials and nuclear facilities in both of those regions and it's also been impossible for the International Atomic Energy Agency to carry out safeguards inspections in those regions. So in that context, it's it's really irresponsible to be going ahead with this agreement. But uh, there was an important condition uh, recommended by the Joint Standing Committee on Treaties, which is that uh, Australia needs to have proper plans to extricate Australian uranium or its byproducts in the event of it being coming under a loss of regulatory control or a loss of safeguards control because of this ongoing conflict. So they need to be able to get nuclear materials out and they need to be able to do that quickly and they need to have a plan to transport that material and they need to know where they're going to take it and uh, presumably it will come back to Australia so they have to have plans about where they would, where they would store it in Australia. And this could be uranium or it could be enriched uranium. It could be uh, uh, fabricated fuel rods. Uh, but at the much more hazardous end of the spectrum, it could also include uh, spent nuclear fuel uh, from power reactors as well. And uh, for quite some years, successive Australian governments have completely ignored this problem. We're, we're not sure why. We think... Uh, they don't know where on earth they could store this material in Australia, particularly something as hazardous as spent nuclear fuel. Uh, Lucas Heights, in, uh, south of Sydney, would be the obvious place because that's where uh, most of Australia's nuclear expertise is concentrated and they've got the uh, 
the plant operated by the Australian Nuclear Science and Technology Organisation, uh, but they don't like to uh, to take things to Lucas Heights because it's a, a marginal electorate and uh, so for political reasons they're reluctant to do that and the long and the short of it is that they've got absolutely no plans whatsoever uh, for repatriating Australian obligated nuclear materials and uh, but the Standing Committee on Treaties has insisted that they develop a proper plan before any uranium sales to the Ukraine proceed. That was Dr Jim Green, nuclear-free campaigner at Friends of the Earth, and you're listening to The Radioactive Show. It's difficult to understand the state and federal government's support for an industry that is so dirty, dangerous, expensive and in decline. Equally, it's hard to imagine that there could be any question about whether Australia should support a ban on the most dangerous weapons in the world, nuclear bombs. But just this last week, we've heard the announcement that the federal government has decided to boycott the upcoming negotiations on a nuclear weapons ban. Jem Rommeld from the International Campaign to Abolish Nuclear Weapons was in Canberra last week and brings us the latest news on that front. My colleagues and I have been in Canberra uh, meeting with parliamentarians, building support uh, for a, a ban treaty, a, a treaty to prohibit nuclear weapons. We're doing this particularly um, at a time when, when we're soon to see negotiations begin on that treaty at the United Nations in late March. And Australia has been part of the process that has led to this point um, up until now. And we're, we have been hoping that the government will participate in the upcoming negotiations. But we got the news yesterday afternoon that... Uh, Australia has decided to boycott uh, this this session, which we find appalling. Uh, this is a very uh, important process that will make nuclear weapons um, illegal in the same way that biological weapons, chemical weapons, cluster munitions and landmines have been made illegal, and we think Australia should be there. I think the Australian public generally expects our country to be a good global citizen and to take part in these kinds of processes and this is a really huge chance um, to to be part of something that will really stigmatise nuclear weapons and, and change uh, the way they are currently legitimised um, and the, the way that they also have a place in our um, defence doctrine, the notion of extended nuclear deterrence, uh, which is a very dangerous doctrine and it's a theory and it hasn't been properly challenged in a very long time. Um, so we are excited about this upcoming negotiating session and we really think Australia should be there. So what is the sense that you're getting from those people you've been talking to about what they'd like to see? Yeah, we've been meeting with a lot of Labor parliamentarians who are also quite outraged at the government's um, position. And Greens, of course, are, are really on board and support a ban. Uh, the sense we get is that a lot of people are really excited about this process that's happening and think that Australia should really be leading this this process, especially uh, as a country that has experienced the devastating impacts of nuclear testing in Western Australia and South Australia, which has left vast tracts of Aboriginal land still poisoned. Uh, we know the impact of these weapons and we know that any detonation um, of a nuclear bomb is is catastrophic. So 
while while the media or while some politicians seem to be obsessed with North Korea um, doing missile tests, the U.S. is also doing missile tests, and uh, we need to cut through um, that rhetoric and and show that nuclear weapons are not okay in anyone's hands. Uh, they need to be clearly outlawed, um, and they're never acceptable to be used. So boycotting these negotiations really casts serious doubt on Australia's commitment to our disarmament obligations, which are contained in the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty. Uh, this is the first time Australia is not going um, to multilateral disarmament negotiations, and this is really tarnishing our, our reputation. So we've still got work to do, and we need to make sure that a future um, a future Labor government is is ready to um, sign a treaty, because it's likely that there could be a treaty ready by uh, the end of this year. And if the current government won't sign it, then um, we'll be putting a lot of pressure on um, our parliamentarians to make sure that the next government that comes in is absolutely ready to, to come in and sign Australia up um, to a treaty banning nuclear weapons. We also know that this is very... Um, it's not a controversial issue with the public. We ran a poll a couple of years ago um, with Nielsen and they found that 84% of the Australian public wants our government to support a ban. And so we think it's, it's clearly time. Yeah, excellent. Um, it's, yeah, very exciting year in the campaign. And if people would like to take some action on this at this point in time, what's the best thing they can do? Well, I think it's now is a very useful time for parliamentarians to hear from their constituencies. Uh, so if you can get in touch with your local member or your local um, or, or your state senator and just let them know that you're aware of what's going on and you think Australia should be at the negotiations and should be supporting a ban and that your representative should be doing everything they can to push this issue in Parliament. Uh, it's, there's also a lot of actions that people can take. Um, we have some on the ICANN website, which is icanw.org, and you can hold events, film screenings, anything you can do to, to bring this issue back into the spotlight because we have a, a very significant opportunity um, this year uh, to, to build a movement that, is, that will be making nuclear weapons illegal. That's all we've got time for on the Radioactive Show today. Thanks to Jem Rommel, Jim Green, Vicky McCabe, Marcus Atkinson, Kerry Ann Garlic, who all appeared on the show today. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to The Radioactive Show, produced in the studios of 3CR on Wurundjeri Country, Fitzroy, Victoria, and broadcast nationally thanks to the work of the Community Radio Network. If you'd like to get in contact, you can find us on Facebook, The Radioactive Show, and Twitter at radioactive3cr or email radioactiveshow.3cr at gmail.com. You can find the podcast of this and previous episodes at 3cr.org.au forward slash radioactive. I hope you've enjoyed today's show and please join us again next week for more local and global nuclear news and views. Don't tell about the
Thanks for listening to a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We rely on the financial support of listeners like yourself to keep going. If you'd like to support diverse voices on your radio, go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online.